0: The best way to be affiliated, the best way to raise your status, the best way to make a living, the best way to be a good citizen, the best way to do is to put the earth first, to realize that that is the customer we are seeking to serve.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Naturally Innovative podcast. My name is Jessica, I'm your host, and I'll be talking to responsible leaders from various backgrounds about the topics of design, entrepreneurship, art, nature, and technology. We will explore the different perspectives on sustainability in a business context and the crucial aspects to drive change and build solutions for a better future, benefiting people, profit, and the planet alike. I hope you will, just like me, feel inspired and encouraged by the stories shared in this podcast to create a positive impact yourself. I'm certain that my guest on this episode doesn't need an introduction, but I made one anyway. Seth Godin published over 20 best-selling books on marketing, business leadership, and on how ideas spread. His work was translated into 40 languages. He pioneered ethical online direct marketing long before it became a $30 billion industry and is at the top of every marketing hall of fame I could find. Seth is also the founder of Akimbo, an independent B Corp and home of the Alt-MBA program. He appeared at least five times on TED Talks as a speaker, and if you didn't subscribe to his daily blog yet, I suggest you do so. A friend forwarded me one of Seth's posts, concurrently with his building of a community to help shape the Carbon Almanac, a fact-based book about climate change. I'm humbled that I was accepted as a contributor and joined the Carbon Almanac network as the only Swiss citizen so far. Seth calls the Carbon Almanac the most important project of his career and relentlessly continues to inspire people and teach them how to level up to make a difference. If you want to know how to become part of this movement, please use the references I shared in the show notes and get your copy of the Carbon Almanac. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did.
0: What a pleasure to meet you.
1: Pleasure to meet you too, Seth. I'm delighted to have you on the Naturally Innovative podcast, and thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today.
0: Good to talk to you. And that's the volunteer fire alarm in the background. Don't worry, everything is fine.
1: (laughs) I'm very glad you're here, and no problem, I cannot hear any of that, actually. So where are you dialing in from today?
0: I live on a fjord 13 miles north of New York City, so I get to look out and see the Hudson River.
1: Wow. Okay. That's amazing. I hope you not only get to look at it, but also get out and be active in nature too.
0: I try. I try. I've been missing it lately, but I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yes. Actually, remembering the importance of nature is why we are doing this podcast together today. Um, A while back, I got the chance to become part of the initiative you created with the Carbon Almanac network and the community grew from 300 to almost 2,000 contributors across the globe, all volunteering their time to collectively write a book, The Carbon Almanac, and help drive this project forward. What led you to address this large topic of our climate emergency in such a unique way?
0: Well, it's our Project, it's our problem, it's our emergency. And, you know, it's one thing to show up in the world and help people who need your help, to see people who are unseen, and to contribute when there's no benefit for you. But at the same time, we are now facing an existential crisis that affects all of us. And it occurred to me that we could model community behavior to figure out how we could solve the problem that we caused. Because we have a systems problem, and the only solution to a systems problem is a systems solution.
1: I really like what you said about coming together as a community to figure out how to be part of a system solution to the problem we caused. And and when I tell people about the Carbon Almanac Network, I always say that to me, it's a beautiful example of a truly community-driven initiative and one of co-creation as well especially for a problem so complex and urgent like climate change, we as individuals, we we can oftentimes feel overwhelmed, almost paralyzed when thinking of it. So what is your perspective on the role of individuals and communities to drive positive change?
0: Well, you know, as we learned from Margaret Mead, the only thing that has ever, ever changed the world is individual action. Prime ministers, presidents, they don't do it. They follow, they don't lead. And there are a lot of people, I've been on the road for a couple of weeks talking to people about climate. There are so many people who are just waiting for someone more powerful than them to solve the problem. And it's not gonna be the solution. And the solution is also not recycle your plastic bottles or have a compost pile in your backyard. The solution is individuals coming together having a conversation, and taking community action. That is what
1: changes the world. Without a doubt, yes. And I find it quite remarkable that in the Carbon Almanac Network, so many different individuals from different backgrounds, cultures, being used to different political systems and forms of leadership, come together and find this common ground, or almost a shared mental framework when it comes to taking action in the face of climate change. So what would it take, I wonder, to come to a more collective understanding that climate change knows no borders and we are in this together as a society. So in other words, how can we replicate this culture that we created as part of the Carbon Almanac Network and introduce it to a broader scheme like municipalities, cities, countries, for them to become more climate positive?
0: So I'm honored that you had such a a great experience, but I don't think it is possible or even useful to try to cause that change to happen. And the reason is we've all been indoctrinated from a young age, indoctrinated to look for things that were convenient, were easy, that would raise our status, that would give us affiliation, to make a living, to feed our family. And so there are things in the world that are true, like we're all going to die, that don't resonate with people because it doesn't match with all the other things that we have in our lives. So the hard work we have to do, because it's so urgent, because we only have five or 10 years, is not to change the way people think, but to say the way you think is right. But if you add one little fact, you will do different things because you will take the way you look at the world and do something. So The best way to be affiliated, the best way to raise your status, the best way to make a living, the best way to be a good citizen, the best way to do is to put the earth first, to realize that that is the customer we are seeking to serve. So we're not trying to rewire your instincts about strangers or trust or belief. We're simply saying, now that you know what you know, you can make a new decision based on new information and do something that's slightly different. And we're seeing this in so many ways. Like so, Amazon, which is well known for being really selfish, bottom line oriented. You know, they're they're not fancy with their desks or everything else because they have a mission. Just bought ten thousand electric delivery trucks. Why would they do that? Not because they want to be good people, but because ten thousand delivery trucks that are electric is a smart decision. And so let's start making smart decisions. Let's understand that. Something wrapped in plastic is going to lower your status, is ultimately inconvenient and more expensive than you think. So you're going to buy something else instead.
1: Yes, let's stay with making smarter business decisions by putting our planet first. You uh, write a daily blog and in one post not too long ago, you talked about how we can sustain life on earth and at the same time, keep satisfying our human needs for mobility, for food, for comfort, for connectedness um, with businesses that are mainly in business to grow and generate a profit. Um, So can you maybe explain a little more how a business can satisfy these customer needs and avoid harming our home planet?
0: So, The system that we are part of was built on industry. Industry changed the world because it made it so that one person has way more leverage than they used to. And that leverage produced a lot of output. That output required marketing to sell to a lot of people. And that required customers. And customers needed to be indoctrinated into the system of being customers and of going shopping. And all of it was fueled by cheap energy that cheap energy coming out of the ground essentially for free makes everything else easier for industry. And we cannot go forward and still charge too little for energy because all of us are paying a tax. All of us are paying for that burning. And so we now have these systems that know how to see problems, solve problems, and charge money to do so. We can see that... The most valuable companies in the world don't make that much stuff. They make experiences. They make connection. And yes, the oil companies still have trillions of dollars of stuff underground they would like to be able to pump up. But making the price of fuel cheaper, if it comes from the ground, is really expensive. So I think there's an opportunity for capitalists to do what they've always done, find a problem and solve it. Because there's enough money and there are enough resources and there's enough insight and there's enough tech to actually solve this problem. What we need are organizations that can start turning the ratchet in a different direction. And one thing that will help them is charging the right price for fuel.
1: Right. Um, Adjusted pricing on fossil fuel will certainly have a tremendous impact. I agree. And I like the challenge to see climate change as an opportunity that invites problem-solving, as you say. Mm, what other ways do you think will make companies shift towards a more sustainable future while trying to maintain a business and satisfy customer needs, but without falling back on things like greenwashing or other quick fixes?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath that greenwashing is going to go away anytime soon, just like spam's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, We have a bunch of things going on now because corporate leaders are paying attention, but they will stop paying attention as soon as the market pays them to do something else. That's why we need a border adjustment and we need to charge the right price for for, uh, oil. Because if we do that, it would take two seconds and then companies would pay attention forever. Mm -hmm. That the thing you're used to buying that comes in like a big thick plastic container suddenly wouldn't. I wonder why they did that. Why? Because it costs them money to do that. And business is built around a single metric, which is, did we make a profit? And if we can affect how businesses make a profit, everything else will change.
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, coming back to an individual's perspective, you said we are all indoctrinated from a young age to pursue things that positively impact our status and give us affiliation, but that at the same time we need to aspire to a system change that we all need to be part of. So what are things that you'd say will help with this collective shift and help make better decisions as individuals?
0: Well, you know, one of the things that's happened in the last 10 years because of the spread of social media is on one hand, people have learned an enormous amount. There's been more information in front of more people than ever before. On the other hand, people have come to be skeptical of things that are actually true. That if you do the science, if you do the math, there is no doubt that vaccines are safe. There is no doubt that evolution is real. But we are surrounded by cultural forces that push us to claim that we're a skeptic. And I think People who have understood the science need to speak up and say, look, I'm showing you now the Chinese edition. You can look it up, right? Go look it up. Do the math. Get smart about it. And if you tell five friends and they tell five friends, pretty soon we will have spread the word that this is real. This affects all of us. It is not a political issue. It is an issue about waking up and seeing what is actually happening.
1: I really like that, how you say everyone who has understood the urgency can speak up and spread the word. And providing the useful facts for that is something that the Carbon Almanac book is doing. It's a source of knowledge, but it is also promoting to take action to protect life on Earth and create better futures. What narratives do you find helpful when it comes to envisioning and creating these better futures?
0: Well, I mean, we know that the earth is going to be fine. We know that 200 years from now, there will still be a planet here. That's not the question. The question is, will we be fine? And the world keeps changing. In 1960, when I was born, we were 10 minutes away from a nuclear war that would have killed every person on the planet. And uh, in the 1920s, when cars took off, we paved the whole earth. And four years ago, no, three years ago, a bunch of scientists came together and in record time created a vaccine that saved millions of lives. We are capable of doing extraordinary things. And the longer we wait, the harder it's going to be later. So the message, I think, is... We can't stop this from happening. It's been going on for 100 years, but we can make it better. We can create more resilience. We can lower the effects of it. We can make it so that 15 million people will not become climate refugees next year. And it's not human nature to do something in advance. It's human nature to wait till it's an emergency. But I'm hoping that if enough of us speak up, we will do something now because it is an emergency.
1: It's an emergency indeed. And you said it Earth, nature doesn't need us to survive, but will we survive? Um, Do you think there's something we can learn from how nature, Earth operates or from natural systems that we can apply to our systems?
0: Well, you know, uh, Charles Darwin wrote the foreword for one of my earliest books. If you look at what the Earth does when we're not around, It doesn't care if a species goes extinct and it knows that the climate and the environment is gonna change. Just go ask a dinosaur. Uh, We didn't kill the dinosaurs, but there aren't any. But there are chickens and chickens are directly related to dinosaurs. Things evolve. And what it means for things to evolve is that any individual entity goes away. If we just look at it in the economic sense, Almost every company on the Fortune 100 list of biggest companies wasn't there 30 years ago. And the ones that there were there 30 years ago are gone. They come and they go. And everyone who's listening to this podcast is going to be dead within 100 years, every single one of us. We come and we go. So the real question is not, can we stay forever? It's how can you do work you're proud of? How can you create systems that people will thank you for 50 years from now? How can you show up when you have the chance and do something that makes a difference? And there's so many examples of things that we could do right now, two of them. This is me talking, not the almanac, because the almanac is no opinions, 100% footnoted, fact-based. The two things that occur to me that we could do right this minute, one, we could charge a fair price for carbon. If the things that have come out of the ground, coal and oil, were priced fairly, the market would pay attention. The market would help us solve this problem in one day. And number two is there are a billion cows on this planet, a billion. And if we're going to look at the single easiest thing to make a difference in the climate, it's simple. We got to get rid of the cows.
1: I think you're top two priorities are spot on, Um, not for us to stay forever, as you say, but to build more regenerative systems and replace old ones. Uh, This leads me to the question of storytelling and envisioning these potential new futures. Uh, The stories we tell ourselves are important, but almost more important are the stories we tell the children around us, And part of the Carbon Almanac project was an illustrated kids' version of the book. There we go. And a board game, an educator's guide. Um, There are all things the Carbon Almanac community has created, and I was so happy to help shape. Now, if we take the board game or other elements in the kids' book that are rather playful, right, right? How do you perceive the relationship between playfulness and raising awareness about a serious topic like climate change?
0: I don't think climate change is funny or serious or political. It simply is. And, you know, we can make a board game about the fact that the sun rises and sets. We can make a board game about the fact that fish swim in the water. These are just things that are true. Mm -hmm. And an entire generation is now growing up realizing that maybe having kids is a bad idea. And that's sad, but it's also true that the world is going to be really different in 20 years. And we shouldn't pretend that's not the case. Once we know something is true, there are lots of ways to talk about it. And if you need to take a a deadly serious sad approach well there's plenty of resources for that and if you want to teach a four-year-old what's going on without giving them nightmares there are ways to do that and but we ought to stop talking about climate change like it's a debate or like we get a vote because we don't get a vote it is it's true
1: yes that's true i uh, have similar conversations with people of my generation who reconsider having children in the face of climate change and uh yeah. When, when you wrote your first article about climate change, I believe it was already 16 or 17 years ago, people probably didn't have these kind of conversations. Um, can you tell me what has changed for you since then? Uh, how people talked uh, about and reacted to climate change compared to today?
0: I think it's 16 years ago. Most of us were lulled into believing that the system would take care of this problem. That senior political leaders were going to conferences, that scientists understood what was going on, that we just needed to like support them if they asked, but they would take care of it. And I think in the last 10 years, people have realized the only people who can make a difference is us. And I'm part of us. And I know how to make a book. I know how to bring a book to the world but I knew that doing this with others would be a metaphor and would help make it even better than I could imagine. And I was right.
1: Yes, absolutely. And can you tell the listeners, viewers, uh, how someone can become part of the Carbon Almanac Network?
0: Well, if you go to thecarbonalmanac.org, you can do the most important things. You can get the photo book, the kid's book, the teacher's guide, all for free and share them. We didn't make them free so you would read them. We made them free so you could share them with people who need to see them. And then I hope you'll buy 10 copies of the book. We're all volunteers. I don't make a nickel. Jessica doesn't make a nickel. But if you can get 10 copies of this and we made it cheap on purpose, 14, 15 bucks, and you can hand them out at work and you can have a discussion about them, that's what it's for, to talk about it. You don't have to agree with every action, but we need to talk about it.
1: Yes. To everyone out there, please do exactly that. Um, I will link the different resources Seth mentioned in the show notes. So very easy for you to find. Uh, please check them out. And to you, Seth, I want to say thank you so much for initiating the Carbon Almanac Network and for taking the time to share your thoughts with me and everyone following this podcast uh, during this conversation. Thank you.
0: I think you've made a lot of important points. And it's just a pleasure to watch somebody show up and lead, raise their hand and say, let's ask some hard questions. So thank you for doing that. (laughs) Jessica, keep making a ruckus. It's great to talk to you.